You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Pregame Podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald, and over the next hour or less, hopefully less for your sake, we'll completely break down Kansas State's Big 12 opener on Saturday here in Manhattan against UCF. And for the second straight season, Kansas State has to answer after a non-conference loss, put them back on their heels. Of course, last Saturday, K-State lost at Missouri in a game they thought they would win, but Missouri stole a 30-27 victory with a dramatic last-second field goal. Last season, Kansas State closed out its non-con schedule with a loss to Tulane in Manhattan, and while we knew Tulane was a good football team, I don't think any of us expected K-State to lose that game, but Tulane proved to be the real deal, winning the American and the Cotton Bowl during a historic season for the Green Wave. Kansas State needs to find another gear to get back on that horse as both teams not only open Big 12 play, but this is UCF's first ever Big 12 contest. And remember, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan. For an exciting test drive, Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. Can Kansas State bounce back from that loss at Missouri? Well, they're going to have to do it with some changes in the lineup. Unfortunately, the injury bug got them pretty good at Missouri. Senior middle linebacker Daniel Green is done. He tore a pec muscle in that game on a sack of the Missouri quarterback Brady Cook and had surgery on Sunday to fix that, but he will no longer be available for K-State this season. Maybe a medical hardship is in his future, but we don't even know if he's eligible for that since he was already on his sixth year using his COVID bonus season this year to come back to play what he hoped would be an injury-free season. Didn't turn out to be that. We don't even know if Daniel wants to try it again. We will see. Treshawn Ward, the running back out of Florida State, comes in and has an immediate impact, but apparently also was injured late in that Missouri game. And Treshawn's listed as doubtful for this contest. We expect expect to see a whole bunch of DJ Giddens on Saturday at running back. And most notably, unfortunately, K-State might be without quarterback Will Howard. Will was really banged up in that game, and we're told it's just mostly severe bruising in his lower extremities. And... I mean, severe bruising. It's into his knee, and the swelling has to go down, and 
They're hopeful. They listed him as questionable that they might be able to get him back. But if not, we'll see true freshman quarterback Avery Johnson get the start. Maybe he will play quite a bit against UCF, even if Will can play. And on addition to in addition to that, we've got true freshman Austin Romaine starting at middle linebacker for Kansas State. So the true freshmen are going to have to step up if K-State wants to win this game. So let's get into the preview of the Knights and Cats. The game kicks off at 7 p.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday and is shown on FS1. We'll bring in Brian Hanley here in a second, the former K-State offensive lineman on those 97 and 98 teams. will help us break down what's going on with K-State. Then we'll move into Ryan Wallace from our Go Power Cat staff, and he'll dig a little bit deeper into UCF. And then we'll bring in... To close it all out, Ryan Gilbert, we'll talk about some of the sports betting topics around the conference this week in the Big 12, but there's no reason to delay. Brian Hanley has appeared in my studio, so now let's bring in the former offensive lineman. And now we are joined by the former offensive lineman, Brian Hanley. He's always an offensive lineman in my heart, though, <laughs> from his studio in Frisco, Texas. Um Brian, we talked about it on the insiders, but for those who missed out on your thoughts on that, um, how painful was that Missouri game for you? It was painful uh, for the simple fact that K-State was a better football team or or could have won the game even not playing our best. Right. We had a better football team, um, but we didn't make enough plays. I mean, it just is that simple. They made more plays. uh, Offensive line didn't look good. Uh, but we still had opportunities to win. We had opportunities, and we just couldn't make enough plays. It's a little disheartening. Um, having said that, it's one game. It's right. one game. And the most important thing, and I learned, I know this is an old Bill Snyder trait, and I'll always say it, do not let one week beat you the next week. And Central Florida, or UCF, I apologize, is a good football team. So we cannot let the Missouri game beat us the very next week uh, on a, a side note here it if they lose their mind over becoming being called central florida do you think they would actually revert to murder if you called them cfu <laughs> <laughs> um look uh that was a physical football game on saturday so much so that will howard is listed as questionable shout out to chris Kleiman for basically releasing an nfl injury report on on tuesday um daniel green's out we'll get to that in a second Treshawn Ward is uh, doubtful, and Will Howard, K-State's quarterback, is questionable. They're going to see starting on Wednesday if he can practice. On the flip side, Brady Cook of Missouri, their their quarterback had a great game. He's also questionable for their game against Memphis. These two teams got after each other, and that's really – it's not the loss lingering that worries me. It's about the impact of how physical that game was that that might haunt K-State for a few contests. Well, and that's the name of the game in yeah. not just college football, but football in general, man. It's the, the war of attrition. I mean, you got to have depth these days because, unfortunately, football is a game. I, I know I've said it on here several times, but bones break, ligaments tear. It's just the way that it is. And yep. you've got to have depth if you're going to compete at the highest levels. I believe K-State is getting to that point, which Great. is a good thing because we couldn't have said that three or four years ago. There's no way we could have said that. But now I believe K-State is a little bit more built to endure some of these injuries and still put a very, very competitive football team out there. And the Daniel Green injury is a perfect example of how in football 
injuries just don't pile up. Sometimes they pile up at one position, yeah. uh, which causes greater problems because Jake Clifton, uh, you know, very promising sophomore that, you know, probably will start next year was dinged up in that first game of the season and, and likely will be back in a couple of weeks for Oklahoma state after the off week. Uh, and of course, Daniel green, uh, we now know tore his pec um, and required surgery to reconnect it. Just a horrific injury. Um, and he is done for the season, likely done for his college career. This was his sixth season. Chris Kleiman said they'll consider pursuing a medical Richard if it's even available, um, if that's what Daniel wants to go, the direction he wants to go. I imagine Daniel now is like, it's time to move on. It's just yeah. time to, to, you know, try to uh, do something else here uh, because uh, this ain't working. Uh, so I, I'm just kind of under the impression uh, that, uh, they would be in trouble in normal seasons, but in steps true freshman Austin Romaine, who they are extremely high on, uh, and I'm interested to see if if this kid uh, actually can get it done uh, at middle linebacker for this team. Is he ready to step in at this level? Um, I, I guess there's some solutions there. Austin Moore could move over, but... Uh, They've been raving about this freshman class. We might see it at middle linebacker. We might see it at quarterback. Uh, two other important positions, Brian Hanley. Uh, yeah. But I, I think uh, from what they've been saying, I think these kids will be fine. Will it be Daniel Green fine? No, but when you got Austin Moore next to you in the middle of a defense, you're going to be okay, I think. You'll, you'll find your way. Well, here's the thing. It's just what I was talking about earlier. You know, a lot of teams and, and a lot of the teams that we put on the upper echelon play a lot of true freshmen. A lot of true freshmen get on the field, significant time. So look, K-State is transforming into one of those programs. That's a good thing. Now, it's not good that guys got hurt. I'm not saying that. But it's a good thing if you have guys that are capable of playing. That means you're recruiting at a high level of guys that can come in and step in right away. So, I mean, obviously we're going to find out. But you're right. Having an Austin Moore next to you, I don't think it's a – that they move him over to middle linebacker. I don't know that they should do that because then you're weakening. If he's not as good at middle linebacker as he is the position that he plays, then you're weakening two positions. And I think that's a huge mistake. So, but if, you know, I, I think K-State's going to be okay. If, if the guys can play, the coaching staff does a great job of getting guys ready to play. It's a huge opportunity for us. Well, you just tripped into the next topic, uh, moving guys around. We've seen it on the offensive line. They've had to move Cooper BB out to right tackle some. Uh, the offensive line just hasn't been up to snuff, has it? Um, it's it's really struggled at times this year. Missouri exposed it. We saw Troy pressure, Missouri pressure. I expect UCF to pressure. I expect everyone to pressure until K-State shows they can solve this. Uh, but the good news is Christian Duffy should be back at right tackle on a pitch count, maybe 30 snaps in the game. Uh, if he's healthy, I can see them running that up, you know, 40, 45. But, you know, I, I thought maybe they'd go to that shuffle line when they need to take Duffy off. But, no, Carver Willis is going to take the other snaps out there so that they can leave the other four spots as they should be, uh, and they feel like that might solve them and, uh, you know, kind of calm down things. Um, I, I, Duff's just huge. they got to get him back 100% eventually. Absolutely. I, I think it, that is the right thing that the coaching staff is doing. Right. You can't keep, I've, I've said it several times. You can't keep shuffling guys around as good as, as BB is. He's better as a guard than he is at a right mm -hmm. tackle. And I'm not saying that he's not better than what anything else we can't put out there, but it's just what I mentioned earlier. 
You're weakening two positions. You don't do that. You have an all-American left guard. Let him be an all-American left guard. Just do that. And whatever else that you have behind at right tackle, figure it out. And I think that we've done a good job. But sometimes, guys, if they don't know if they're playing here, they don't know this. And and I get you got to be ready to play because anything can happen. But at the same time, shuffling around, it's too much. It's the more mental aspect of understanding what you're having to try to do you know, moving from position to position more than physical. But you're right. The Lions just got to play better. They just yeah. have to play better. Everybody, it's just what you said. Uh, and we brought it up on the insiders. They are going to pressure K-State, pressure K-State. Everybody's that Troy did it. Every Missouri did it. And everybody's going to until they prove that they can stop it. And so far, we haven't done a great job of that. Uh, I suspect it gets better with Duffy back because he's he's very good at what he does. I think that kind of solidifies some stuff, um, and and I think K State will be better for it. I agree. I and let's keep in mind they have the off week coming up next week, which um, we all thought was too early in the season. It turns out to be a brilliant placement yeah. before they go to Oklahoma State on a Friday night in a few weeks, um, and that brings us to Will Howard's situation. Um, I've, I've spoken to a number of people. Some think that Howard will be fine. It's just apparently severe bruising um, and bruising into the you know knee joint that the swelling has gotten into there um, and some other stuff going on. He just got battered in his lower body in that game. I don't think anything dirty, just great physical football by Missouri. And, um, uh, you know, he could barely walk after the game. They didn't practice him the first part of the week, as I mentioned, as we record this on Wednesday. They're hoping to get him back in practice on Wednesday. And I've also heard the opinion, uh, and it's one I share, is that they might, if he can go, but they're a little timid about it, they want him on a pitch count maybe, just start Avery Johnson and use Will as needed. If Avery's doing great, you don't have to use Will Howard. If Avery's, you know, what they're doing with him baffles UCF and they're putting up points, you can you can leave your starter on the bench, and if it doesn't work, put him in. Uh, but, uh, you know, with that off week, I think the temptation to try to get him 100% for the rest of the season has to be lingering with these coaches. I believe you're 100% right, Fitz. Uh, if, if he's not 100%, I don't know that you throw him out there. Uh, it, obviously, it's going to depend on how he feels uh, because, look, it's football. Nobody's going to be 100%. So, I mean, we're three weeks into the season. Guys are going to get beat up and bruised. But if he's compromised and can't, you know, run the game plan that they're trying to run, then, yeah, you got to put somebody else out there. Excuse me, somebody else in there. <laughs> but if he's just, you know, hurt and, you know, he's just got to battle through – I don't know. I, I think you give Avery Johnson an opportunity. I mean, if Will Howard is 50, 60%, yeah. I don't think he plays. I don't think you should play him at all. Now, if we're talking 75 to 80%, that's something different. You know, so it's just going to depend on, on how he feels. Look, the guy's a veteran. He's been around a long time. He doesn't need that much practice time. No. Uh, to, to be able to go out and run a game plan. He knows what there's going to do. He can watch film and understand, you know, what, what UCF is doing. So for me, it, it just going to depend on, on how he feels and, it, and also depend on him being honest with the coaching staff and with the trainers. Cause I know as a former player, I'm fine. That's all we say. I'm fine. Well, 
You know, you know, you're not fine. You can't even get in a stance. I remember them saying that to me, Brian, you can't even get in a stance. Oh, I'm fine. I'll be all right. No, you're not. So it's just, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, but like I said, if it's anywhere 50 to 60%, he's got to sit 75 to 80, then yeah, he can go. Yeah, that's what I tell myself every morning when I get out of bed. Everything hurts. I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. Uh, it, it works. So, look, this is a really cool game. First of all, uh, welcome to the Big 12 UCF. I know you've been in the conference technically since July 1 or whatever it was, but this is it. I mean, this is the first Big 12 football game. I think it's cool they're coming to Kansas State. Uh, it was a very memorable game. <clears throat> not for the game itself, but last time they were in town, we had that incredible weather event um, with those amazing photos that are not Photoshopped. And, um, uh, but I think this is a really good program. I think this is a great addition to the conference. This is a really confident program. They have cocky fans, which I appreciate because they've won a lot of football games. And I, I've been saying for a while that I think these teams are going to be stunned once they get into the Big 12, how big the tests are every week. Now that we're into the season, this league's hot trash. UCF might be able to come in here and win and win a lot of games this season because this league absolutely stinks. As a side note, I saw one of my colleagues at 24-7 Sports, uh, Cody Nagel, put out his weekly Big 12 power rankings in Texas. Of course, is at one, and Oklahoma by default's at two because they played nobody. And right. K-State was three, and, and one of the great K-State accounts said, well, that's not right, and I go, in this conference right now yeah that's right uh, yeah. k-state's probably still the third best because this league is not very good this year ucf can make some thunder can't they absolutely they're a good football program <laughs> yep. uh they got a good coaching staff uh they know what they're doing it's only gonna get better it's it's literally only going to get better i mean they the thing that kind of held them back is not being in a big time conference i mean seventy thousand people go to that university I mean, it's incredible how many kids go. It's the, the largest school in the country, I believe, as far as population-wise or enrollment-wise. But it's only going to get better because now they're in a big-time conference, which means you're going to get better recruits to come to your school. And as far as this year, they can make some noise. They're good. They On offense, they play super, super fast. That's what they try to do is just line up, go just ultra-speed, Defense, they fly around. I don't know if they're that physical, but they fly around. It's going to be a challenging game for K-State. It will be. I'm, I'm really looking forward. Of course, they're down a quarterback, too, and yes. that's life in college football. You got to go yeah. with who you got, and if you don't have a good backup, then um, that is your coaching staff's fault, not you know anyone else's fault. It's it's not fate. It's not, it's not bad luck. It's bad preparation. You got to be ready with that backup guy, and, and if we got a, a – a game of backup quarterbacks on Saturday, uh, even though K-State's going to play a true freshman in Avery Johnson, brother, I kind of trust the kid. I, I, He's got something to him that is is really special. He'll make mistakes, but I think athletically he'll respond. Yeah, I think he's going to be fine. Look, he got in the game against Missouri, and that, like you mentioned earlier, it was a physical football game, and he ran the ball, and he yeah. didn't bat an eye. And they hit him a couple times, and he got right back up and ran the ball again. That's what you want. Now, he's got to be able to throw the ball, throw the ball over the middle, read defenses, understand what you see, you know, and you know that they're going to, if he's out there, you if they're going to blitz Will Howard, they're going to bring the house against Avery Johnson. So he's got to be able to see that, get the ball out of his hands quickly. So it'll be up to the coaching staff. Uh, but more importantly, and I know I keep harping on this, it's going to be up to the offensive line. 
Because if even if they're blitzing, you can still run the football. And that is going to be his best friend is to be, if he has to play, is to be able to run the football, not run it side to side, run it downhill, off tackle, and run it right at UCF. Yeah. That is going to be K-State's advantage. One final topic before we close up shop and bring in Ryan Wallace. The secondary against Missouri was an utter disaster. They were slow. Their techniques broke down. They didn't get good reads. Uh, I think the game plan was so focused on the Missouri run game, they didn't adequately adjust when Missouri had basically duped K-State into that. Great coaching by the Missouri staff. They came out and threw the ball at a higher rate than they had all season. I was shocked and disappointed in how the the secondary broke down. Look, Luther Burden's amazing, but they couldn't tackle. They couldn't defend. It was it was painful to watch, man. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, let's just call it what it was. It, what it, was. It, it was bad. However, like I mentioned before, it was one game. They got to go back and look at that film. They got to own it and just say, I got to be better. Uh, yeah. and, and let's just say, I mean, there's some plays out there, and we saw them. It couldn't have been worse. Literally, it couldn't have been worse on, on what we saw. So hopefully they see that and they get better. That's all that we can hope for. Look, they're a better football team. The secondary is better than what they put out there on Saturday. They have to be. Otherwise, they wouldn't even be at this level of football. Because some of that was just elementary stuff, not knowing where the yep. ball was or throwing it over your head and you can't see it. I mean, that's that's just elementary stuff that they just weren't prepared. I don't think they were prepared for Missouri's speed. I think that's what it was. They just right. weren't prepared for it. And now they understand this is big-time football. And maybe that's that was their fault. They didn't recognize Missouri as being big-time football. And unfortunately, it bit them. But coming back this week, I think they understand that UCF is big-time football. This is Big 12 football. Let's get back to what we do, covering guys, being physical, playing sound, fundamental football. One year ago, Kansas State lost to Tulane, uh, went into Oklahoma to open Big 12 play, and won. Um, and, you know, on, on the pathway of getting to a Big 12 championship. So that's still on the table for K-State. Losing to Missouri suck. They had some injuries. It stunk. They got to come home and get right back on it and and definitively win a game and and move on to the next game. Will they beat UCF on Saturday night? I think they will if they play physical football. Right. It's got to be a physical football game because, look, while UCF is coming into the conference, they're not as big. They're not as physical as what K-State is. We got to get back to what we do best in being physical. If we try to finesse them and run side to side, they're more athletic than we are. They, they just are. And it's not going to work. We got to be physical on both sides of the football and win the battle of the trenches. If K-State does that, they will be fine. I agree. His name's Brian Hanley. You can see his social media tag at the bottom there, Big B's underscore Sports Talk. Go check him out on whatever your favorite social media platform is. He does great content. Brian, I appreciate it very much. We will reconvene on the Insiders on Monday. No problem. Thank you. And that's it for this segment of the PowerCat pregame podcast. On the other side, Brian Wallace awaits for a more in-depth breakdown of the UCF Knights that come to Manhattan on Saturday night at the bill. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Of course, we're previewing Kansas State UCF Saturday night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I'm co-PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and I'll be joined, as you can see on your screen, by Ryan Wallace, one of our football analysts, and he's going to help us break down the Knights. Don't call them Golden of UCF. Don't call them Central Florida. There's rules that go with this. You better follow them. As I mentioned, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, proud sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Wally, let's dive into this injury crap. Oh, my, what a mess. And we were talking before we started rolling. The quarterback is intriguing. What they will do at the various levels of the Will Howard injury. And we were trying to sort out, is he injured, injured? Is he hurt? Which is different. Is is he going to be better by Saturday? I mean, there's just, he, he could be 100% or close to and available. He could be limited and available or out. And we don't know what it is. And uh, I'm going to put Brian Gilbert on the spot in the betting segment. What do you do right now? As if there was an urgency to bet on this game. Uh, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I mean, I, I'm not Ryan Gilbert, but I would say this. Good for uh, you. I would, <laughs> I, uh, if you want to go money line, go for it. But I would stay the hell away from the spread for the simple fact that the quarterback situation is, like you said, still a little bit up in the air. I, I guess if you read between the lines of what Chris Kleiman said at Tuesday's press conference, um, you would lean on uh, probably more Avery Johnson than not. Um because it, it sounded as though Chris Kleiman said, well, you know, if Will Howard, if, if, if Saturday were tomorrow, I don't know if he'd be able to do a whole lot. Um, obviously, the good news is there were a couple days between that press conference and Saturday night. But, uh, you know, if you want to just try and put a prediction on it, stake a claim on it, I would I would venture to guess that, again, we will see plenty of Avery Johnson. But Fitz, as I toss it back to you, the question then becomes – is it going to be, you know, a run first, run heavy Avery Johnson, or are we finally going to get a chance to see the four-star do a little bit of everything in this offense? I was a little bit confused by how they used him at yeah. Missouri. They had a limited playbook for him, but Chris Kleiman says he, he's fully integrated into the playbook, as you know, as much as you can expect for a guy in his first full season of college football. He showed that when he played in the opener. Um and then they limit him against Missouri. I found that to be odd because you got to the point of the game where letting Avery just run some plays might have been better than a limited Will Howard. Yeah, I, and I felt the same could have been said for Daniel Green when you went back and, and watched the tape. It was uh, head-scratching, the the choice the staff made to leave them both in. I guess that's just an ode to those veterans that – are coming off to the sideline, you know, fits that will and, and Daniel green were saying, let me go. I can go. 
Um, but at some point, I think the staff's got to lean on the fact that one is going to be more effective than the other. And whether it was Avery, whether that was um, obviously they don't have Jake Clifton, but maybe it's Austin Romaine, maybe it's somebody else. That was head scratching to see. But they have to unleash Will Howard in this one again, whether that's in you know spot up rotation duty for an injured Will Howard or whether that's as the starter for the entirety of the game on Saturday night. Uh, they've got to let Avery keep a defense honest, both with his feet and through the air, uh, or else you'll you'll see UCF's defense just attack him at will um, to try and contain him from running the ball. Agreed. That's exactly what I do. And in fact, we've seen Troy and Missouri now sign show up with uh, a great amount of pressuring that line of scrimmage. They yeah. they're coming after the quarterback. They're coming after this um, offensive line that you know has been out of place. Uh, and struggling, and they're going to UCF's going to do it. I mean, the, it's out there until K State solves it. It's going to happen every game unless someone's just incapable of doing it. Let's let's pivot to that offensive line. Christian Duffy comes back, which stabilizes thing to a degree because you know he's been at right tackle since uh, the the entire time Chris Kleiman's been here, basically. So right. the need to have him back is significant, but he's not fully back we'll still see carver willis and him rotating at that spot but that does stabilize the other four spots no more moving around it sounds like at least from what i'm hearing bb will be the left guard throughout this game and not swing out to right tackle unless something goes wrong duff's big though yeah i mean getting him back is huge uh i guess you know the the glass half empty part of that conversation is the fact that as chris Kleiman alluded to on tuesday sounds like it will be more of a snap count um based on again getting his conditioning back um, sounds like Tremaine Carroll's staff have have really been pushing him in the strength and conditioning department to have him more ready to go. But I think Kleiman said something in the neighborhood of like 25 snaps would be great for him. Uh, obviously, if he can go, if he shows that he can go, they'll push him further. But, um, you know, he will be on a snap count, which does mean, again, Carver Willis back um, at that right tackle spot to allow Cooper Beebe to stay at left guard. Um, I, I just wonder though, if, if when you have Carver Willis in for those game for those snaps and maybe even Christian Duffy, depending on how he looks, um, if it wouldn't be smart, especially with Avery Johnson at quarterback, uh, to maybe play heavy on that side. And what I mean by that is have a tight end, uh, like Will Swanson, obviously you don't want to limit what Ben Sennett has been able to provide in the passing game by just making him a blocker, but maybe going heavy with a tight end on that side, uh, as an a- added blocker. Uh, certainly I think if Carver Willis and Avery Johnson are in the game at the same time, that's something that I would explore. Cause again, it just, if you're UCF, you would think that that would be uh, not only the quarterback to attack, but the side of the line of scrimmage you would want to attack as well. I would agree with all of that. Let's move on to UCF. Um, this is a good football team. They're three, and zero. they struggled a little bit at Boise. Uh, they're, they're also on their backup quarterback, but just give me your overall thoughts on, the Knights. Well, I think, you know, let's start with the offense. And you mentioned Timmy McLean, who's come in for John Rice Plumley. Um, McLean is an interesting story because he was a, a highly thought of recruit, um, had a couple power five offers out of high school. And mind you, was 40 and five as a varsity starter and started as a freshman. So that was over the course of four years in Florida. Um, so, I mean, a decorated kid coming out ends up at USF. Um, played the 2021 season there uh, as a tr- true freshman, ended up winning that job uh, through the year. But, you know, the, the Bulls didn't have a whole lot going for them. And so obviously if you're judging by his stats alone that year, they weren't 
anything to drool over, ends up uh, transferring to UCF, and now with the injury to Plumley, gets his chance. Um, it, he's a little bit different quarterback fits than Plumley was. In a way, Plumley was playing his best uh, quarterbacking of, the, of his career. And what I mean by that is, uh, coming into this season, I think many would say that Plumley was kind of like a a running back that could play quarterback. It was very Colin Klein like to watch him operate because it was, yeah, he could throw a little bit. I mean, he's got an arm as a baseball player for UCF too, but you could very much tell that he was more comfortable just saying, ah, to hell with it. I'm going to tuck this thing and run it. Whereas Timmy McLean is more a true dual threat quarterback. He can scramble outside the pocket and pick it up, but he wants to keep that play alive for as long as he can and keep looking downfield to make the pass. So um, I think that we haven't seen a whole lot from him uh, in the Villanova game. That was his first time starting for UCF. They kind of dumbed down the playbook a little bit for him. Didn't really air it out. But I think if you're K-State, you just want to keep everything in front of you because really that's what the Knights offense wants to do. They operate tremendously um, in terms of the passing game between like 5 and 15 yards. They will test it deep, but Timmy McLean is is inaccurate uh, the deeper the ball gets. He can make the throw. It's not that he doesn't have the arm strength fits, but he's not very accurate at all. So if you're K-State, you dare those guys to take the shot downfield. And that seems strange, Fitz, coming after what we saw against Missouri when K-State was getting beat on those home run balls. But in a way, uh, you know, UCF's receivers are dangerous Kobe Hudson, the former Auburn transfer, has kind of become their go-to guy. Javon Baker is another guy that will test it deep. But those guys have had a case of the drops throughout their career. So, again, if I'm Joe Klanderman, I would say test me deep until you prove that you can beat me. Otherwise, we're going to keep you in front and let Timmy McLean operate that way and try and take away the run because I think that's the thing that surprised me most fits in doing research with UCF. This is a – Kind of that Lincoln Riley based offense, where, or maybe I should say Art Bryles based offense, in the sense that they want to go up tempo. It's going to be fast. Any K State fans were there to watch the game in Auburn when Gus Malzahn came up with Nick Marshall. It will look a lot like that. But as we saw in that game, they want to they want to try and initiate the run first, and they've been really good at it so far um, this season. They're uh, number two rushing offense behind Air Force right now, and they'll be going against the number three rushing defense in K-State. And Fitz, to throw it back to you, talking, finishing up about the offense for UCF, I think that's the area that that will win this game for K-State. They Their defensive line has to win the line of scrimmage. Take away an R.J. Harvey, who's their all-purpose back. Limit Johnny Richardson, who's that scat back. Uh, freaky speedster and then if they want to go to Demarcus Bowman who's a third back in this system a Florida transfer former uh, five-star Florida player of the year who we haven't seen a whole lot these last two weeks the question is you know whether they'll unleash him this game or not you've got to win the line of scrimmage and I think attack the interior of the UCF offense which is not just going at Timmy McClain under center at times but also uh, a center position with Drake Metcalf who's a Stanford transfer and then a redshirt freshman that they've kind of been going back and forth. It's been an uneasy position so far for them. Uso, uh, Javon Banks, Damian Alalio, this is a chance for those guys to really make an impact and frustrate this offense from the inside out. God, I love your preparation. That was beautiful. That was <laughs> art. That was amazing. Let's flip it over to the other side now. Let's talk about the UCF defense. Um, 
they get after you. They're aggressive. They're athletic. They will test this offense no matter who's that quarterback. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see how Kansas State handles this because they haven't handled the last two defenses that well. I mean, I know they got away from Troy, but Troy gave them troubles. And then Missouri gave them a surprising amount of trouble in my book. I knew Missouri's defense was good, but I didn't think they would dominate the offensive line like that. How, how does K-State adjust to this this you know, kind of attack mode defense that they've seen now two weeks in a row, and they're going to see it on Saturday. No, they're going to see plenty of it. Um, I think with this UCF defense, their strength coming into the season, when you read all the previews and go back and then even watch them through these first three weeks, it's a strong front seven. In a way, it's a defense that's a little reminiscent of Missouri. I think where Missouri's a little bit different is I think maybe their front seven is a little bit stronger than UCF, and I think their secondary is a little bit more tested and a little bit more veteran than we're going to see from the UCF secondary. That's an area that if I'm K-State, you'd love to attack. But again, with Will Howard as a question mark and Avery Johnson coming in, you wonder just how much K-State can and will attack that secondary. But I think the front seven, I, I hate to – you know, beat a, a dead horse, but they've got to win in the line at the line of scrimmage. And it seems like that's the way it would be for every football game. And it is to some extent, but especially in this one, they've got to protect the quarterback and they've got to win the line of scrimmage and get that running game going, keep US, UCF's offense off the field. But, uh, you know, this is an interesting defense in the fact that they're going to fly around. And I would feel a lot better about Avery Johnson playing more, uh, as we said before we started recording, if it were Oklahoma State. If this were Kansas, if this were, you know, BYU, somebody that whose front seven or just the core of their defense is built more on, you know, sound tackling and being tough and tenacious. This UCF team is what you'd expect. It's a bunch of Florida Southeastern athletes that fly around the ball. Now, that doesn't work when Avery Johnson's greatest skill set is speed. But I think the way that you can hope for K-State uh, to make a dent in UCF is that while they're very good against the rush, uh, UCF is, that is, and they're very active, sometimes their tackling has been subpar. And I think when you look at them on tape, when you go and look at them statistically through something like pro football focus, that is the area of concern is a lot of missed tackles, a lot of over pursuit, bad angle, bad fundamentals. So if you're K-State, hopefully, you know, you get that UCF defense. The other thing that I think about with this defense fits is I don't know really how much they've been tested. I went and found a stat. They're tied for the lowest uh, amount of red zone defensive stands uh, in the country in FBS football. They've only been in the red zone, you know, back against the wall three times this year. Ohio State is the only defense right now that has been tested less in the red zone. So I think they're while statistically they look strong, I don't know how much this is a defense that has been tested, had their backs against the wall and pressure scenarios so far this season. So I'm very interested to see if K-State has the uh, playmakers uh, at their disposal to make that happen and put them with their back against the wall. Because again, Fitz, no Will Howard, well, I shouldn't say no Will Howard, but a limited Will Howard, let's say, no Treshawn Ward. Right. And we still have the question mark that is Keegan Johnson, the guy that all of us thought would be a huge difference maker for K-State that um, hasn't played that much and has been targeted even less when he's been on, on the field. So very curious to see if this is a game that K-State's playmakers can start to rebound and get back to what we saw against Troy and SEMO. 
Let's get back to Treshawn Ward. Interesting. I, I didn't see him get injured. Apparently, it was late in the game. Um, he's doubtful. He's not playing. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's all right. DJ Giddens, I'm sorry. He's been the best running back so far. He just has. He's he's not great. I mean, he just kind of is what he is. He, he puts his head down and, and picks up yards. Once in a while, he'll break free on you because he's tough to bring down, which might be important in this game, as you mentioned, the tackling woes for the Knights. Um, and, and also I think he's a better pass protector. And so I, I think with a young quarterback out there, that's nice. I mean, you're, you're, he's going to be fine. It, maybe they'll have to bring in some other guys to dispel him on occasion. Heaven forbid he gets banged up. Uh, but I, I think K-State can overcome Ward in the short time here, but boy, you don't, you can't operate with him being gone for a long time because they just don't have that depth in that room that you need. Yeah, and I think this is a game that uh, would be smart of Colin Klein uh, and also something that I think he's already thinking about doing, if, if I had to guess, which is, you know, we talk about how assignment sound the K-State defense has to be going against a Gus Malzahn offense, which, um, you know, for K-State fans that are still in kind of glass half empty mode, uh, I hate to, you know, uh, d- jump into the the memory bank a little bit, but remember uh, Gus Malzahn, Eli Drinkwitz was a Gus Malzahn from that tree. Uh, so these offenses will look a little bit the same, but we talk about kind of the window dressing that Gus Malzahn will put on stuff and how, you know, assignment sound you have to be on defense and tracking where the ball is on play action and all those things from this read option offense. This is a perfect opportunity for Colin Klein to do that partially because, as we mentioned, this is a UCF defense that isn't always the most technically sound, but also because he is limited in the backfield. And DJ Giddens isn't really a uh, passing threat out of the backfield, and I don't think Anthony Frias is either. And so this would be a great opportunity for Colin Klein to dress some things up, get get some guys in motion, whether it be jet sweeps and get some some things going on the ground that way, or even motion some guys into the backfield that – then come out of the backfield as passing threats, make a safety pick up that assignment, make a linebacker pick up that assignment. Uh, I could see Phillip Brooks back there, Seth Porter back there. We've seen Ben Sennett drop back, put his hand in the ground, a fullback, and then end up going out on a wheel route. Make this UCF defense account for whoever is in the backfield at all times. And I think that might be a way for K-State to maybe spell what we've seen from the lack of skill so far and the lack of talent from the skill positions. I don't know if you can just consistently rely on Jaden Jackson uh, to be a guy that's going to get you a touchdown and get the big play every week. Uh, They need RJ Garcia, who, you know, uh, this is a a Florida kid. So maybe this is a game that he's had circled on the calendar as, as maybe a a jumpstart after him kind of disappearing last week against Missouri. Maybe this is a chance for Phillip Brooks to come back and maybe finally the coming out party for Keegan Johnson uh, this, again, a great opportunity, I think, for Colin Klein to maybe dig around a little bit in that playbook. And if he's not going to dig into some uh, crazy stuff, at least dress it up a little bit, force UCF to, uh, again, stick to their assignments a little bit more soundly than they've shown, I think, through three weeks so far. God, he makes segments so easy. I just <laughs> ask. I just I try. Throw, I throw the softball pitch up there and just hit it, hit it every time. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to make a prediction because – uh, I, we talked off the air. You, you just don't know the quarterback yeah. situation is, you know, so tenuous. I, I'm not sure what to say about this game. Uh, I'll say this. If, if the young freshman plays, he's either going to be great or he's going to look like a freshman. 
You know, it's just I don't feel like yeah. there's going to be any middle ground for Avery. I, I will caution fans with with this though. Again, whether it's a win, whether it's a loss, um, you know, and I I'm not trying to go ahead and and put the excuse out there either way, whether it's a win or a loss. But I went back fits and I don't know. I might I might toy around and, and put something up on on the site here in the in the coming days or maybe after the game. But I would just caution fans that when I went back and looked at you know, whether it's Will Howard as a true freshman when he started the COVID year, Skylar Thompson, he, he had been redshirted, but his first start, uh, Colin Klein's first start, Josh Freeman's first start, none of them were exceptional. <laughs> none of them were out of this world. Uh, Will Howard's first win was at TCU 21-14. He had 117 yards through the air, threw an interception, sacked twice, uh, did score on the ground. Skylar Thompson had two interceptions, was sacked four times in a loss to West Virginia, narrow loss. Uh, Josh Freeman had the comeback win, if you remember, against Oklahoma State, but he was sacked three times, didn't throw a touchdown pass. Really, Colin Klein probably looked the best, and if you remember, his first start at quarterback was that really weird uh, win against Texas where he only threw the ball four times, Fitz. Uh, he had 25 carries for 127 yards and. Two, t- two touchdowns. He can't do that to Avery Johnson if this is Avery, truly Avery Johnson's first start. He'll kill him. I mean, you just can't do that, and I think he knows that. But again, cautionary tales of win the game, but don't expect Avery to look like Tom Brady out there or Michael Bishop, um, because as you would probably tell me and inform me, Michael Bishop's first start, maybe I'm wrong, wasn't you know what we saw from Michael Bishop his no. last game in purple. So um, it'll be a great kind of measuring stick of, of what Avery has, what he can do, what he can be. Uh, but my whole thing is, again, win or loss, uh, a cautionary tale that Avery is only going to get better. But uh, Fitz, really, really excited to just see what this freshman can do. Again, whether it's a start or whether it's in spot duty, it's going to be the most we've seen of him to yep. this point. So excited to see him operate this offense. And I'll say this, Fitz, to finish. I've seen enough from Avery Johnson in games against Derby when he was at Mays High School to know this. There is not a game, if K-State is down, that you should count the Cats out because Avery Johnson can rile up a sideline and get the momentum back as quickly and as uh, charismatically as I can remember any quarterback doing. Really, really excited to see what number five can do. Amen. That's it. He's Ryan Wallace. He joins us every week on this. You can check out his recruiting coverage at K-State. Great analysis as always wally we'll talk to you next week on this show thanks fitz we go off to break now that ryan gilbert fella is waiting on the other side (laughs) to talk about the betting lines around the big 12 not a great week possibly the worst game of the season in the conference we'll get to discuss I hope it doesn't get worse in Oklahoma State at Iowa State. I wish you luck, Gills. Yeah, and of course, BYU at Kansas is very intriguing, as is this game we're previewing on the Powercat pregame podcast brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. We're going to be joined by Ryan Gilbert and his uh, new setup there. He's got a purple light like mine. It's like I got a kid and I don't want him. It doesn't look as good as yours, though. No, nothing looks as good as this mess behind me. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars, trucks, vans, SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, proud sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And this is the part of the show when we get into the betting odds and, and all that, the sports gambling genre of our product because Ryan Gilbert does it mostly on the NFL, but he he studies up a little bit. Not so good on K-State. So whatever he says on K-State, forget that. He's pretty good at everything else. Gils, how you doing, first of all? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? You you look good, man. I, I think the purple light adds a little pink to your cheeks. You look more healthy. All credit goes to my boss. Yep, he's a good I boss. was just outside for a few hours, so maybe that's why my cheeks are a little bit red, but... Or you're Whatever. embarrassed to be here. Let's get going. Uh, Oklahoma is going to Cincinnati. I'm not sold on Oklahoma yet. They have played a really light schedule. Cincinnati continues that trend. The Sooners are favored by 14 and a half on the road. I, I wouldn't touch this one because I can't figure these teams out. Well, Oklahoma is 3-0 against the spread this season, and pretty much all of the money's coming in on the Sooners right now. So public loves them, but you look at the key matchup in this game, Cincinnati averaging 240 yards of rushing per game. Oklahoma giving up just 80 um, rushing yards on the season. So really, whoever think you can win that battle, um, I, I, I don't think anybody's expecting Cincinnati to, to come out and win this game. But to keep it within a few touchdowns, you know, that might be manageable. And you look at the three games, of course, those numbers are maybe skewed a little bit just because of the opponents that these two teams have played. You know, SMU is the only notable team that Oklahoma's played. And then obviously – uh, an impressive, maybe not impressive, but a win over over Pittsburgh for Cincinnati. But then they follow that with a loss to Miami of Ohio. And yeah. so it's tough to get a read on. But whatever you, you, you know, whatever of those two schedules you want to put more stock into, because both of those stats rushing wise, rushing offense for Cincinnati, rush defense for Oklahoma. Those are both impressive. Would you play the Bearcat mascot in this game? I mean, he's like seven feet tall and scary looking. Like the mascot bowl? Yeah, yeah. no, just you, actually great. play him in the game. Okay. Like, yeah. actually let him play. I think that might help. Uh, Texas goes to Baylor. Uh, Baylor is aspiring to be in the hot trash section of the Big 12. They're working their way down there. Texas by 15. I take Texas on this. Me too. Me too. And, look, Texas has shown us how good they can be. Um, and I, I, this came to my mind when I was kind of brushing up on these notes. Chris Kleiman mentioned how only a few of those games, or I guess one of those games really for Central Florida or UCF, whatever they want to be called, right? Only one of those games can can really be broken down on tape just because it was a competitive game. And I think that the same thing can be said for all of these Big 12 games, but also Texas, right? Like we're going to bash them for their performance last week. Do you really think they opened up the playbook? Do you really think that those five-star commitment all those five-star players were really locked into this game probably not now the big 12 plays here they're going to be locked in and boy baylor's not look good this year texas has looked really good so don't overreact from texas's game last week that game against alabama is kind of who they are and just as far as the talent goes the athleticism goes we've seen this a few times over the years when k-state plays that team 
doesn't matter if they're maybe the then if they're not well coached doesn't matter right as long as they've got that athleticism they should comfortably win okay tech is a six-point favorite on the road we've grouped all of our road games here by the way there's two big 12 games involving non-conference opponents because um houston and tcu played last week and tcu does play smu um Tech minus six at West Virginia. West Virginia with the win over Pitt. Um, good win for West Virginia, but kind of devalued that Pitt win for Cincinnati, put it in a better context. We're still not sure what's going on with Tech, but a six-point favorite on the road. What do you think? Give me the road dog, Fitz. I mean, the storyline of that game with Pittsburgh and West Virginia was really Pittsburgh losing that game more than anything. They did not do I mean, they didn't do much, and it was kind of a, a slugfest. And so give me the road dog. And, of course, West Virginia playing with the backup quarterback. Um, Garrett Green is out, and so it's looking like it's kind of like a K-State situation here with Will Howard that Garrett Green's not going to be able to go. And so give me the road dog here. Uh, Texas six-point favorite. So they're not a dog. Oh, goodness gracious. I am. The, okay, give me the road favorite. <laughs> yeah, but that Garrett Green information is is helpful. That's why we bring you on. Yeah, you know what? It doesn't matter if if it's this or the questions podcast. You're getting one mistake from me per episode. Sorry I like it. it. It's a, yeah. the level of consistency that Bill Snyder would appreciate in you. It makes you look better. You never mess up. Oh, no, no. Makes me certainly look more attractive. Hey, Oklahoma State is a road dog at Iowa State um, in a game that free counseling will be provided to all spectators after the game. <laughs> Uh, Matt Campbell, uh, if they lose, will actually fight a fan at midfield. There's a lot of things Iowa State's doing here to try to get fans in. Look, Iowa State fans are great. Their team stinks. They're all going to show up. Oklahoma State stinks. Three-and-a-half-point dog. To cover the spread, though, Iowa State's got to score more than three points, and that's kind of the problem, isn't it? They go to overtime in a 0-0 game. They can get a field goal at least, right? Whatever. Yeah, goodness. I don't it's horrible. I don't want to I I don't want to yeah. watch this game. I'm, we have to pick it. We have to talk about it because it's Big 12, but I kind of alluded to this on the questions podcast this week. I would trust Mike Gundy more than I would trust Matt Campbell to get his locker room back in in both state, you know, how the programs are going. I would trust Mike Gundy, but boy, I mean, I wouldn't blame you if he didn't touch this game. That's for sure. If I was Mike Gundy, I'd consider starting myself at quarterback. He's got a family member on the on the squad. Yeah, he's probably still better than his kid. Hey, BYU uh, was a nine-point favorite. It's down to eight and a half, basically the same, at Kansas. Very intrigued by this game. Kansas didn't play well last week. I don't think it means a damn thing. They, they won. Yeah. Um, teams have that. Um, BYU won at Arkansas. We're not really sure about Arkansas, but still it was a road game. I, I, I think Kansas wins this, but the amount of points, nine or eight and a half on this game, kind of scares me off that I think it's going to be a good game. Yep. I mean, we talked about this last week, Fitz. I, I didn't think BYU was getting much respect, and they go out and they beat Arkansas, and I sort of mentioned how the defense was going to be able to keep that game close, have them cover that spread. I think it was 10 points or so, and obviously the defense wasn't that good, but the offense, I think it was 38-31. to 31. Like, they put on a showing, and so the defense has shown they can be good. The offense has now shown signs in its last game, and so – I think BYU is getting disrespected here. I'm with you. I mean, KU is going to bounce back. There's been a very high expectation for that team. They're going to be okay. But, man, anything more than a touchdown, I've got to go BYU to cover and, of course, sprinkle some on that money line. I love it. I love it. 
UCF comes to Manhattan as we wrap this up. It was a six and a half point favorite the other day when I texted you. Uh, it It's down to four and a half as the quarterback situation from K-State kind of shakes out. Does K-State cover six and a half or four and a half or any and a half? I mean, is this a game that, uh, that K-State will win, I guess? The one thing that Chris Kleiman is really good at is keeping his locker rooms bought in, especially after a loss. You look at Tulane and obviously Arkansas State, Chris Kleiman is able to bounce back from these types of games. And that loss to Missouri stings to quote Kobe Savage. He said that they were pissed off and, you know, they want to get back in the win column. But boy, Fitz, these injuries are just really adding up for Kansas State. And I think the world of Avery Johnson, he's a, a great, great talent. He's the future of K-State football. But for right now, man, I think the talent, the athleticism, all that is there. But just the understanding of the playbook, I still have my concerns with Avery Johnson. And he's going to see things from UCF that simply he has never seen before, period, on a football field. And so I I get it. Gus Malzahn's more of an offensive-minded coach. And that's probably the next point you could talk about. The secondary showed its weaknesses. Um, They lose Daniel Green for the year. You know, how is Austin Romaine going to compete? How are these young guys going to compete? That's even if the secondary can fix its issues, with which I don't know if those will be fixed. I get it. UCF's got a backup quarterback of its own. I'm sure they have more injuries that you could talk about as well, but I just don't feel confident in K-State with this game. They've got the bye week next week. I think if you're Chris Kleiman, you're thinking, all right, let's get through this week, win or lose. Then we'll get Will Howard back. Everything would be okay at that point. So I really do. They're UCF's the underdog, right? The road dog. Yeah. Give me the road dog here. I, I think that UCF has a real good chance to pull off this upset. Um, K-State's obviously going to have a chip on its shoulder, but so is UCF. This is their yep. first Big 12 game ever. It's going to be a fun day at the Bill. I will see you there. Um, uh, hey, real quick, how do you feel about Oregon minus 21 against Colorado? I just I, I want to see Colorado lose. So they I'll, handle I'll it? go with Oregon and they're yeah. playing with house money, it feels like, a little bit. Luck's going to run out. I agree. That is Ryan Gilbert. He's part of the Go Power Cat coverage team. Please subscribe to our website if you're a K-State fan. If you're not a K-State fan, subscribe to your school's 24-7 site. Gills, thank you very much. I'll, like everyone else, see you at the bill. That will do it for this week's edition of the Powercat pregame podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we appreciate Robbins Motor Company for being our sponsor for the, what, fifth straight year. It's a great relationship. Kansas State, UCF on Saturday night at the Bill, 7 p.m. kick on FS1, and my one thing to watch is pretty darn obvious for this week, the quarterback play. Who starts? Is there a rotation between quarterbacks? Does Avery get all of it, or is Will Howard healthy enough to go ahead and play? We're going to find out at the Bill come Saturday night, and I'll be there and I'll see you at the bill. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.